0: left fielders this is the infielder spotlight podcast powered by left field investors our community is focused on networking and education to help people invest passively and think differently let's go
1: welcome to the infielder spotlight episode where one of our infielders share their story with host chad ackerman Listen in to gain insights from our community on how to create financial freedom through passively investing in real assets that generate real cash flow.
0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Infielder Spotlight. I am your host Chad Ackerman, and with me today is Infielder Brad Swenson. Brad, welcome to the spotlight. How are you doing today? I am doing great, Chad. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good to have you here. Appreciate it. So to start off with, why don't you give us like the locale, some little details and that kind of thing about yourself? Sure. Yeah. I'm a recovering
2: W-2 employee, as some people are in the community. 57-year-old IT professional who left the big corporate world about seven years ago. I live in New Jersey with my wife. I got two grown kids. uh, They're out of the house, one grandson, and we live actually, my alter ego is as a farmer. So we live on a little farm here in New Jersey where my wife runs her business.
0: I grew up on a farm myself. I'll have to chat with you about that. Another, (laughs) We'll have another podcast. There you go. Very good. So help us then with understanding the journey you've been on. How does IT professional work their way into this passive investing world that we're in? Yeah,
2: no, great question. And like I said, I was in IT for some decades pretty much my, you know my whole career growing and building a career as we were all taught to do and saving and signing up for a 401k and putting having all my savings in the stock market and I got to 2015 I turned 50 that year it was kind of one of those what you want to call it a midlife crisis like there's I was looking around in the corporate world and I'm looking at people who are older than me and it looked just like they were watching the clock like when can I retire and I just kind of said to myself, you know, life's too short. i got my kids through college without debt. We're in good shape just as people and, and in the world. I just want to experience more. So I took a chance, took a jump, started working for a startup software company that I got a connection with. And something about that switch just helped me change my mindset, really change into, oh, it's not what life is all about. I can be in this very dynamic other world and it got my mind open to some things. So with some free time I had, I started looking into alternative, getting involved in real estate, just educating. You know, I spent about two years educating myself before I did anything, learning, reading, and just like everybody else, the purple book started there and then just started exploring options. I think the big lesson out of Rich Dad, Poor Dad for me was just realizing that I didn't want to work out of another W-2 into like another job. I didn't want to become like a real estate professional. I didn't want to run things myself. I realized I wanted to be on the right side of that quadrant: investor, business owner. So that kind of started to narrow my focus. A couple of years into it, where you know I went from reading books on everything, you know n- notes and tax liens and fix and flips, and I spent a lot of time on bigger pockets. But then I really started to narrow down to where the things that resonated with me were like the, you know the hands off investor. Brian Burke, and then more recently the lifestyle investor, Justin Donald, but things like that where I was like, you know, this resonates with me and this is where I want to be. I kind of started building a goal to say, I want to start building cash flow and the equity and start really moving my assets out of Wall Street into these alternatives. So I started with that, but doing it all on my own and just out of books and following people and podcasts, it doesn't give you a whole lot of confidence easily. so, And I'm pretty cautious by nature. So starting slow, I started with things like crowdfunding. I had the good fortune of being accredited at that point, qualify as accredited. So some of the crowdfunding options were available to me for accredited investors. And then from there, I kind of moved to something like an equity multiple, which is more of a aggregator of syndications and things like, you know, some of those providers, offerings like that, just because you feel like then you had somebody who is helping you vet, you're not just vetting the provider or the operator straight up. So I explored a little bit, did that. And then one of the things that really intrigued me was some of the debt side investing like mortgage notes. So I started following some of those providers and those operators who were doing mortgage notes in that space and getting into mortgage note funds and things like that. So that's been the majority of it. And then more recently, because of things like going from being an educated investor to being someone who's seeking a community and getting involved with the community like left field, that's given me kind of the next level up to start saying, okay, now there's other people around doing the same thing and investing in the same operators that I'm investing in so I can feel more comfortable venturing out, learning how to vet operators and sponsors and taking bigger action that way. So it's been the journey so far. My goal is, again, and I didn't say it at the beginning, but most of my, if you can imagine, I was such a good 401k saver. Everything I have today, not everything, but the majority of it is in IRA investments. And there's, I know, and we were talking before recording about liquidating and the, I know there's that conversation in the community all the time. When do you do it? Do you do it? And I did some of it, but I also got to a point where, like I said, I'm 57, 59 and a half is when I can start to liquidate without the penalty part, at least. So I'm kind of creating a goal for those IRA investments to kind of build as much as I can between now and then, or, you know, when I started and then be able to kind of turn on the cash flow as needed at that point. So that's the overall strategy.
0: Hi, this is Ryan Steig, one of the co-founders of Leftfield Investors, and I wanted to thank you for helping to build one of the most unique and engaging communities out there. You've brought your own skill sets, experience, and knowledge to help create tremendous value in a community that we could never have anticipated. We're excited to hear the stories that each one of you have to bring through this podcast series and to be able to share with our podcast listeners. We want to thank you again for your tremendous value that you've brought to the community and to help it become what it's become today. Thank you, and we can't wait to hear your story. The 401k liquidation thing, just it's so situational, right? I mean, it's there is no one right answer for that for anybody. so. But quite the journey you have been on. It sounds like you've gotten a lot of diversity in what you've gotten involved in. What other resources? It sounds like the community's helping out with some of that. But what other resources have been handy for you as you study? Has it just been self study that you went through, or has there been some other things that have been beneficial? Yeah, mostly. I mean, in early
2: on, my younger son is into real estate investing as well, so he was starting his own business. But he's very interested in. Real- so we started together. Saying, okay, well, what you read on bigger pockets is like go to meetups. So we were started to go to meetups and network with people, but at least here where we were going to meetups, it almost felt like a shark tank. Like if you had money, there's people swimming around looking for it. And if you're looking to, there's just like it was less networking and more deal making or deal seeking. So it was a little bit, it wasn't so attractive for us to do that. So I kind of dropped back into the more the online community seeking and and really just networking on a small scale. I didn't I didn't want to like sit down and go, okay, I'm gonna go meet all the operators I can possibly meet. I was listening to podcasts a lot. Like so besides reading and immersing in education, I just listened to a ton of podcasts and ended up doing the same thing that I did with the reading. It's just start start to narrow it down over time. Cause you can get saturated with
0: it. It's the shiny object syndrome, right? Absolutely. You know, it all yeah. sounds fun. Let me go look at all of it and So it's good you were able to narrow and focus.
2: Yeah. So that's what I've kind of come to now is there's like kind of a handful of podcasts that I go to because they're people that I like and trust because some of them are operators that I invest with. So I listen to them and kind of listen to their journey. And that gives me and that feels like another sense of community because it's actually people that I'm investing with too. But that's primarily it. Do you mind sharing the podcast that you're focused on mostly? Yeah. I mean, more recently, I've been focusing more on like the macro types of things like the Invest like a billionaire, the the Aspen guys, because Bob is such a smart, big picture, very knowledgeable economy in all at facets of it. So I listen to them pretty regularly. But then the Good Deeds Note Investing podcast. It's Chris Seveny. He's one of the people I've been connected with and has invested with from early on. It's almost like he started his journey in note investing several years before I got involved, but I felt like I've grown with him some and he's just Kind of very organized, very analytical, so I, I trust them a lot, which is great. So, and then other things that I've gotten into recently is well, Cashflow Ninja was always one that I go to because I like his ideas on like really different alternatives, and he has really unique people on. And then the Wealth Without Wall Street guys, and some of that may be more accounting for my recent shifting into infinite banking. So that's another, that's the more recent part of the journey where I've kind of shifted. Like that's another piece that I've shifted to. And I really, not because I just learned about it, but I learned about it a long time ago, but it took me a long time to really get, wrap my head around what that could do for
0: us. Sure. Well, it sounds like you've dipped into several different asset classes pretty quickly as well. Is that the shiny object chasing still in the passive side or was that to diversify on purpose? I mean, what was your strategy there? I'm just curious. Cause I think a lot of people go through that. Of, yeah. It all sounds neat. I haven't, gone quite as broad as you have yet, because I'm like, uh, I hear other experts say stick to your lane and focus on what you're focusing on. So what was the strategy behind the diversity and the passive side? It
2: was to diversify, because I absolutely we all suffer from shiny object, but the one thing I think I did well was instill enough discipline not to chase everyone of those shiny objects and really pause. Like the infinite banking was one, like I not as an investment necessarily, but as that Savings vehicle that you could really leverage from, but it I really took a long time and was cautious about let's figure out is that fit what I want to be doing, and b is it the right thing in the big mix of everything? The diversity on the other end, I think was just that it was more for diversity because I mean if you think about it, there's hundreds of deals out there in apartment buildings and things like that, and i and I saw them all, but I was very careful about if there was one that I was interested in, I would research the operator. I would make see if that operator was in the left field world, in the universe of the left fielders. And that's, again, as part of that community, that's a good comfort level. But And then make some decisions. But I got into apartments that way, uh, slow but steady. The notes was a little easier because I I, I really did a deep dive on learning myself because I was actually early on, I was actually thinking like, oh, maybe I can have my own note business. And then the more I listened to Chris Evany, the less I wanted to have my own note business. <laughs> well,
1: <laughs> but, you learned. Buddy. Absolutely.
2: And the more I wanted to be partnered with someone like him who was really good at it. And there's other providers like that that we're all probably involved with. But And then the other asset class that I kind of went a little heavier into was the resort investment So because that's been interesting to me. Part of it is it's an operator I can see because they're here in New Jersey. Right, right. <laughs> so, <laughs> I can meet them, I can see them, I can see the property and things like that. So it was a little easier to vet that for myself.
0: That's great. No, that's fantastic. There is definitely something to that. I haven't had that benefit of having a GP close by. I got a deal close by that I can go a couple hours and see, which is nice and I've done several times. So it just to prove it's there, it's not swamp ground or something like that too. So, but this is good. Well, So through all of this that you've been learning on your own, learning the community, testing the waters, diversifying on, what are some lessons learned or some advice that you maybe could share with the community that you've picked up on through all this background that you've going through? Because it's you've gone through quite a bit in a quick period of time, really, which is great.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing that I learned was really, and we already kind of touched on it, is shiny objects are great and definitely learn about them. Don't pick up the first one. Really pause like on every one of those decisions. And I think the biggest thing out of that is don't feel like you're missing an opportunity. Like that and that's what and this happens in the community all the time where so, uh, there's a deal offering or where we have opportunities to invest together. Don't feel pressured by that. That's my biggest thing. It's just don't feel the pressure to make that jump. Because as much as I've said of all these different things that I've been involved with, there was mistakes along the way too. There was a couple deals that I can look back on and go, well, one, I absolutely shouldn't have gone into that. It was a fund that I connected with the operator of the fund, but really didn't do the proper vetting. And it turned, it was really a little bit more of a relationship thing that we got along real well and things like that. Don't make decisions based on that. Really make sure you, you take the time to vet or you're in a community that's doing vetting like builders. That, I think, is just always pushing the pause button first, and that's been helped a lot.
0: I think it took me a while to figure out, too, kind of to your point that there are more deals coming. I have to jump at the first shiny object because and it's exciting. I get it. You get wrapped up in the excitement of it and want to pull the trigger. That's honestly what I did with my first one and probably shouldn't have. I think it'll be fine in the long run, but did it align to my goals? No, but it's fine. Hopefully it'll be fine anyway. Yeah,
2: yeah, and I think the other thing that helped me in that was again not feeling, especially if you're just learning and you haven't got done your first deal yet. The way I did it really worked for me. Like the crowdfunding path was super educational because you're on a portal you're putting up some money and then you're able to spread that out very dynamically across different deals, but you can deep dive into any one of those. Like this crowdfunding was, it was a lot of single family home, like bridge loans and cash out refis and things like that. So it allowed you to kind of go in and see what it was, where it was, what the leverage was and things like that. So it was, it's just interesting to do it that way. No, that's a fair. Slow start.
0: I think any of it, taking action in any of it will teach you something for sure, but that's a good way to talk about getting into it and everything. So been through this journey, what's kind of the next steps for you? Where are you going from here? Tying into more asset classes or just going bigger with what you've got? What's kind of your strategy it's, going
2: forward? Yeah, probably going bigger with what I got. But I think if I'm in investigating new things, it might not be asset classes. There are other asset classes I'm looking into. I just started playing with crypto bots. But that's a whole nother <laughs> that's a whole that kind of that, kinda, that ob- me. Well, it was shiny objects and it was tech. So I have that tech resonates with me. So I get to see how it works and try to figure it out and things like that. So that's another thing. That's more of a entertainment that could turn into cash flow, depending on what that could be. But I think my goal is to look at the asset classes I'm in and then look at how I can be in other similar offerings. There are going to be more right now. I've done a very balanced equity cash flow approach because I wanted to do both at the same time. As I shift over the next couple of years, the deals I'm going to look at are more cash flow oriented. So that'll be more the key, like looking at, okay, what's the cash flow I need for my living expenses? So I can say, okay, W2's turned off. I'm good. And I want to make sure the cash flow is in place to do that. So that's really not necessarily chasing new asset classes, but just I feel good in some of the ones that I'm in. And just kind of building on that.
0: That's good. Yeah. No, that's great. Well, Brad, this has been great. I think there's a lot of things in your story that people in the community can relate to, and that's exactly why we tried to put this podcast together. It's just uh, kind of that we said it early on of knowing that others are in the same position you are kind Absolutely. of makes you feel more comfortable. So, yeah, I appreciate you coming on. Appreciate you being a part of the community as well.
2: Great. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me. I love being part of the community and look forward to continuing and
0: meeting more people. Fantastic. Well, good. Well, I also want to thank everybody for tuning in to the podcast today and we look forward to seeing you next time in the spotlight. Since you are here listening to this podcast, there's a good chance you're
2: investing with a group of people. Whether you're investing with family or friends or like-minded people in the left field investors community, group investing is a strategy that can get you into more deals, help you diversify and go beyond what you can achieve by yourself. Before TribeVest came along, it was difficult to overcome all the hurdles associated with group investing. It was basically a strategy reserved for the wealthy. Not anymore. Now, Tribe Best helps your group with everything from incorporation, collaboration, banking, and equity management tools all in a single place. So you can focus on building wealth with the people you know, like, and trust. I'm using Tribe Best for all five, now six, of my investor tribes. It's a game changer. Check them out at tribebest.com.
0: Thanks for hanging out in the infield with us today. If you're interested in becoming an infielder, you can find us at leftfieldinvestors.com or you can send me an email directly at chad at leftfieldinvestors.com.
1: Thank you for listening to the Passive Investing from Left Field podcast. If you enjoy the show, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and rate and review the show.